Well, friends, welcome back to the Space for Faith podcast. My name is Mike Goldsworthy, and what a joy to have you hanging out with us here. I'm really grateful for you. Uh, And I'm really excited for you to get to tune into the conversation that we're having here in a moment with my friend, Mike Foster, who I have known, I realized as we're talking for quite a while, we have been friends and done work together for over 20 years. And today's conversation is a little bit different than many of the conversations we have on here. And so I wanted to give a little bit of context for the conversation. Now, uh, many of you know, and if you don't know, like I spent over 20 years in local pastoral ministry. And what I often found myself doing as I was doing that work was investing in like helping people find lives of wholeness and fullness that like, I think one of the things that Jesus is doing is inviting us to live a fully human life. And I was often trying to find ways to invite people to engage in what it looked like and meant to live a fully human life. And and along with that, I think one of like the unique sort of maybe callings on my life or unique sort of wirings that I have is that I also often wanted to help people discover the unique thing that they were called to, the unique thing that they were gifted to, that thing that was inside of them that wanted to come out. And in fact, I even remember at one point as I was leading uh, this church that I said that my vision was to help create a community of visionaries, that I wanted to see a community of people who weren't all just doing the thing that I wanted to have done, but instead that it was a community of people who were being unleashed to the thing that was inside of them, that the divine had placed in them and was calling them to. In fact, uh, when I went to get my master's degree, there, there were several reasons that I didn't get a master's of divinity, but instead got a master's of transformational leadership. And one of the driving reasons there was that um, as I delved into understanding transformational leadership more, And the idea that the leadership that we do, the way that we engage in the work and vocation that we do, the results that we get, how we approach our roles and our responsibilities, that it actually first flows out of our own relationship with ourself and our relationship with others, and that it comes out of a overflow of your own wholeness and health and living a fully human life. And that, like, what, anyways, like, that that was really compelling to me to do work in that sort of area. And, and so many of you know that uh, about three years ago that I stepped out of, a bit over three years ago now, wow. Anyways, uh, over three years ago now, I stepped out of full-time vocational ministry at a church, and I've been doing several things, but one of the things that I like find myself investing more and more time in, and then I find myself being invited into more and more, is doing exactly this same sort of work where I find myself getting to help executive leaders live healthy, whole, more human, more fulfilling lives, which, by the way, actually affects the work that you do. And so uh, uh, organizations will invest in their executive leaders getting that kind of work because not only is it more helpful to that person, it actually is more helpful to their organization, their company as well. I find myself been invited into a journey with quite a few people to help them, people who feel stuck, that they feel like there's like this unlived life within them that they want to come out and they need 
like language direction, maybe even somebody to help strategize with them to even hold them accountable to some of that. And so I've gotten to do uh, a bunch of that. Anyways, if that's if that's stuff that like you would want to investigate some, have a conversation about what that might look like, I'd love to have a conversation with you and see if I can be helpful. Uh, you can send me a note at mike at mikegoldsworthy.com. But, but anyways, I say all of that to give some context to today's podcast because uh, we're getting to hang out with Mike Foster today. He's got a new book that just came out called The Seven Primal Questions. And Mike Foster, though, is someone who has been that person for me, who has helped me uh, and walked with me through processes of helping me to live a more full, healthy, fulfilling, more human life. He's somebody who has been helpful for me and actually helped walk me through a process when I felt stuck, felt like there was something within me that needed to come out, needed language, needed um, sort of a partner to help like pull that out of me. He has been such a helpful guide, a helpful coach. Um, he's just been a really helpful partner for me uh, in my own journey. And so like, I know he's going to be a gift to you all as well. And I've wanted to give a little bit of context, both for like some of the way that my work is engaging in the world today that really in so many ways is a continuation of the work that I've been doing for over 20 years, but it's got uh, some different, I guess, language with it. And it's got a different like uh, medium where it's being lived out, where it's being lived out mostly one-on-one -on -one and in small groups rather than on a platform and with a church. But I also wanted to give some context for the different kind of conversation that we're getting to have with uh, with a friend today who I think is such a gift to us and a gift to anyone who gets to interact with him. So without further ado and without further rambling, let's go ahead and turn it over there. Friends, I am excited to introduce you to a friend of mine who uh, I've been Excited to have on here and been looking for a good opportunity for us to get to chat. You all are going to get to meet my friend Mike Foster here in just a moment. And I, Mike, I had a bunch of ways to introduce you. And then I thought, I'm going to look up your, your official bio, like what it says now. Because I've known you for long enough now that I've seen like different bios. And I freaking love your new bio. Um, so I, I'm going to read for the folks the first line because I think it's great. Uh, Mike Foster is known as the Mr. Rogers of self-development. He's a best-selling author, speaker, and executive coach, empowering people to build strong lives by turning their setbacks into superpowers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a better description of you than the Mr. Rogers of self-development. How did that come about? You know, I always like when, so when work with clients or people, there's a couple comments that I get uh, about who how I come across in the world. Okay. So I should also say, number one, me and Mr. Rogers have the same birthday, March 20th. Do you really? We do. So we have the same birthday. Um, we have the same values. Um, and you know, I just think it's, a, it's for whatever reason, I've just embraced it. I, I embrace who I am. I wish I was probably more like, uh, I don't know, more dynamic or, you know, sexier or whatever the opposite of Mr. Rogers would be. Um, but I, I just like, I love the fact I love, I love that. And it's really helpful in terms of the work that I do. And I also have added something to it 
my description, which I think you'll you'll get also because you know me pretty well, Mike, is that I think I'm actually a hybrid of Mr. Rogers and a Navy SEAL. And the Navy SEAL part is where I I I expect action. I ex I don't I will not coddle people. I will not allow people to stay in their sort of victim mindset that will not allow people just to believe some of the stuff that they believe in them, about themselves. And so challenge, expectation, goals, um, truth telling, that's the other part of me. So I think when we bring those two together, like the, the Mr. Rogers and the Navy SEAL, like Mr. Rogers, kindness, compassion, love, empathy, safety, but then also the accountability and um, massive action and truth telling of a of a seal. I I think that's probably a uh, that's what I'm going with at least. I love that. Well, I mean, I think um, as soon as you said that, one of the first things that popped into my mind is some of the times that I've sat with you, and you have this really really unique ability to be able to create a space where you feel really safe and known and seen, and then at the same time to also offer challenge. And like you were saying, and mm -hmm. the combo of those two is really unique. Like I don't experience both of those together with a lot of folks. Mm. Well, thanks. And I, um, I, I think, you know, for all of us, it's just embracing who we are, embracing the gifts that we possess and then deploying them out into the world the best that way that we can. So I'm, I'm just going to embrace Mr. Rogers and I'm going to embrace the Navy SEAL part and hopefully that will help some folks. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, yeah, you and I have, we've known each other for over 20 years, I was realizing, and mm -hmm. uh, you have been helpful for me in so many ways in different seasons in both some like really formal ways that I did several years ago. You took me through a life planning process that was really mm -hmm. impactful and meaningful and helped me set some good direction around some areas where I had a lot of confusion. Um, like I feel like that was a real significant pivot point in my life. And then a few years ago, as I was processing, walking out of there, walking out of sounds terrible, like uh, transitioning out of the church that I was at and trying to figure out what was next, um, you're really pivotal in several conversations there about both helping me figure out how to transition well. And then also uh, you helped Allison and I begin to imagine some of what could be next. And so yes. and I am just so grateful for you like you've been really a helpful part of such uh important parts of of my life over the last you know 20 years well it's Thanks. it's an honor to watch you live out your story in such a powerful way and it's it's I'm, I'm always deeply honored when i can sit with someone like yourself and just we can figure out some stuff and blow away the fog and and turn up the lights a little bit in terms of your wants and your desires and your dreams and and then let's go let's go after it. and that's the thing that i'm that i respect about you so much mike is that you did it you mm. you took the the leap you took the chance because those aren't easy decisions those are uh, dangerous decisions in many ways and have a lot of risk and a lot of um volatility to them but you did it and you're better for it and your family's better for it and your marriage is better for it and so it's always fun watching people do their thing Thanks, man. That means a ton. Well, it helps. I wear my um, WWMFD bracelet on. What would Mike Foster do? 
And that helps me figure this stuff. That's out. a horrible. Don't wear, oh. please don't wear that. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, well, uh, a part of why I was excited to get to talk to you is because of this new book that you've got coming out called "The Seven Primal Questions," and I yeah. feel like um, uh, I have gotten to experience you in situations where you are being able to see beyond the thing that's on the surface. And some of what you're doing in this book is like even um, unpacking for us and exposing for us some of what is beneath that and what you're using to see that and uh, a sort of way of like helping us understand ourselves and why we get stuck and why we make the decisions we do and what stresses you and what then out of that is like our contribution, our superpower. Um is that a fair way of sort of talking about what we're doing in the seven primal questions? Yeah, totally. I always think like part of the thing that I'm most interested in, and I've been working on this book for four years, over 6,000 hours of one-on-one -on -one interviews. I have, you know, I've been working with people just intently on this idea for a long time. And um, one of the things like that I have, I'm really interested in is getting to the core. I think so often in, in our lives and whether it's in conversations and therapy and coaching, whatever, personal development, a lot of times we just spend our time trimming branches versus dealing with the roots of something. And I really think the, the primal question and the concepts in this book are all about the roots. Because I think once you deal with the roots, once you deal with the core, you're you're actually going to create change in the tree um and so i always kind of think of i don't know if you've ever felt this way but sometimes like my growth and my my development uh, has felt like a russian stacking doll you know what those are like the the, the yep. dolls within the dolls and you stack them up and so like you're like oh, okay i'm gonna work on that 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 big one that big stacking doll and you kind of maybe get some books about it, you listen to podcasts about it, you're working on it. And then all of a sudden, like you open it up and you realize, oh, there's another stacking doll inside that stacking doll. You're like, okay, now I'm going to work on that one. And I think a lot of times our energy and focus goes to working on the wrong stacking doll. And we, we, and a lot of times we get discouraged, right? We're like, why am I not changing? Why is the situation? not improving? Why is my marriage still struggling? Why do I still deal with perfectionism or imposter syndrome? Why am I still struggling with these shame and guilt? And the reason is because we haven't quite gotten down to the last little Russian doll that sits at the core of all the different layers of who we are. And so the seven primal questions is fo laser focused on the core of the core. And I, I, Describe it like it is the sun in the center of your emotional solar system and everything revolves around it. It is the thing underneath the thing that drives everything. And so that's what I'm excited about the book and this concept is because it's easy, it's simple, it's core. And if we can work on the core, then we can really create the, the life of freedom and flourishing that we want. I I love that. I love, um, uh, I wrote down a phrase that you used. Oh, therapy accelerated through simplicity mm -hmm. of, um, I, I love that idea of like how simple it is and 
also like how much it's getting to our root and our core. I was kind of curious as I was reading it, I was thinking about both my experience as a pastor in pastoral situations, and I was thinking about I'm doing, I was telling you before we started, I've started doing a bit more executive coaching. So I've got several uh, CEOs right now that I'm doing executive coaching with. And you have this like short period of time with somebody, whether it's in like a pastoral sort of sense or whether it's in like a coaching or whatever sort of thing when you're working with somebody. And the easiest thing to go to is to go to the branches or the sort of outer doll or like the, because you have this short period of time. I'm like curious about like, what is it that, like, how are you able to move beyond that um, without doing you know, like the two days that you and I spend together or something like that, like, like, or do you need that to be able to get to, to these sorts of things? No, one of the things that I, I love about the concept is you don't need a bunch of um, background information. You don't need all the layers of somebody's story. You don't need to hear all the drama or the chaos in their lives. Uh, there's sort of three key areas that, uh, that help us identify our primal question. Uh, the first area we'd look at your triggers, kind of understanding what what makes you angry, what is emotionally activating to you. Uh, then we'd look at your uh, we'd look at your message to the world. What's the most important thing that you want to communicate in your relationships? And then the third thing we'd look at is your family of origin. Uh, kind of the environment that you grew up in, because all three of those point to uh, your primal question and all in, in different ways. And, and basically, Mike, the way this works is we get imprinted with a primal question in our early childhood. You know, when we're kids, we're just like sponges absorbing all these different things about life and love and safety and success and meaning and we're just like paying attention to everything and absorbing it all in as children and what happens is you know the this research shows that kids ask about 250 questions a day okay while adults ask about 20 questions a day so as kids we're constantly asking these questions and what happens is in our childhood there's there's a primary question that goes unanswered by our caretakers or parents that we then carry into our adulthood. And this is called our primal question. And what we do as adults now is we continue to ask that question to society, to our spouse, to our friends, to our two strangers. Now, all this is, we're asking it subconsciously. It's not sort of, we're not, basically asking the question out loud. But this question that we're throwing out to everyone we meet, everyone we interact with, when the, our primal question is answered with a yes, our life is good. We feel good. We're, we're complete, okay? But when we ask our primal question and the answer to that primal question is no or maybe, we go into what I call the scramble. And I write about this in the book. And everybody's scramble looks a little bit different, but we go into the scramble and the scramble is all the dysfunctional things that we do, all the unhealthy things that we do to force the answer back to a yes to our primal question. And this kind of um, concept 
is so profound. It impacts everything. It impacts your relationships. It impacts how you see yourself. It, it impacts your emotions. It impacts how you lead. It is so fundamental because if you don't know that you have, the only problem, I would tell people this all the time, the only time the, the primal question is a problem is when you're unaware of it. Mm -hmm. Now, the scramble is a problem, all the dysfunctional things that we do. But once we know what's driving, what's the command center of our lives, getting you know, this question, we can then take control of it and really understand like, okay, why am I getting so upset at Joe when he disrespected me in that meeting? Why, why am I so anxious right now uh, in terms of my relationship with my spouse because she's not really talking to me or not really communicating some of the things that a lot of questions I'm really worried. Why, why is that happening? And fundamentally, all of the stuff, all the suffering of life is attached to our primal question not being affirmed, not being answered with the yes. And so... That's what the book is about, helping you understand your drivers, your core drivers. But here's the good news, Mike, and this is the thing that I'm most excited about, is that one of the things that we do with our primal question is not only do we carry it and we ask it to the world, but we also take our primal question and we put it over everybody else's life that we interact with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we do is then... We take our primal question and we say, um, and, then, and then we do a really good job at answering it with a yes. Okay. So I'll give you an example. Primal question number one, and there's seven of them. Uh, my primal question is, am I safe? And that comes from my story of uh, sexual abuse when I was a kid. I didn't feel protected. I didn't feel safe. And so now I carry that. That question was basically answered no for me. And so now I keep asking it as an adult. And so that's what I have to sort of manage. And I have to lead myself in uh, work, knowing that my highest emotional need for Mike Foster is safety. But here's the primal gift part of it. I take my question, am I safe? And I put it over everybody. And so my relational superpower, you've already, you've already mentioned that. We've already talked about it, is safety. Mm -hmm. creating safe environments for people to open up and share hard things. And people have always told me stuff they shouldn't tell me like five minutes after knowing me. Okay. <laughs> the reason why they do that is because I'm a safe, I, I, I exude safety. I am orienting around assuming that you're asking the same question as I am. Am I safe? And I'm doing everything I can to answer it with a yes. Now, the truth of the matter is, Mike, you might have a different question. You have, might have a different primal question, but my interactions with you, I'm interacting with you as if your primal question is, am I safe? Because that's my primal question. And is that what you're doing when you're healthy as well? Or is that a dysfunctional way of relating to others? It, I, I would say it is... Uh, it's not a dysfunctional way unless you are over indexing on that strength. Okay. okay. And so here's what an over index on that. There, here's where we get dysfunctional is where my only interest in your life and in our relationship is to make you feel safe. 
to the point where I'm not saying hard things to you, or I'm not maybe telling you the truth, or um, I'm doing a lot of people pleasing just to make sure you feel safe. That's where it gets unhealthy. But, but fundamentally, we need to look at it as this is our relational superpower that we do re- something that we do really well. And we need to look for ways to deploy that into our relationships, into our marriage, with our kids, uh, in our workplaces. Um, you know, like I always, for me, I go, hey, bring me into conflict. Okay. Wherever there's conflict, if there's a couple who's fighting, bring me it. Okay. Because I'm going to create safety for us to have a healthy dialogue about what the real issues are here. Um, that's, I, and I need to think about ways where I can help this it, uh, deploy that safety. And again, there's six other superpowers, but that particular one's mine. And I need to think about how I can use it best in the world. I love that. I, yeah, it raises so many interesting questions for me. Like you talk about, towards the end of your book, you talk about um, how this gets used with like couples, for instance, maybe in marriages. And I'm kind of curious about the, um, in a relationship with your spouse or with your significant other, your partner, if in that relationship, obviously you probably have different primal questions that are at your core that are driving you. And so you need to have yours met from your your partner but with a yes but um you're also sort of projecting yours out there too and you want to interact in that kind of way right like what i, I i'm not sure what the right question is to ask here of but i'm trying to figure out like what's the balance in both like seeking out what you need and giving the other what they need in something like that yeah well let me uh again not to just talk about myself and my own primal question but how it works with me and my wife. Okay. So we've been married almost 30 years and this concept has been transformational for us because it, again, keeps us from trimming all those branches and dealing with all the drama or the chaos or all the little pieces of the problem. And we're actually dealing with the core of the problem. So my wife's primal question is question number three, am I loved? And her question was imprinted because she grew up in it. She was the fourth child. When, when, my wife, Jennifer, came along. It was kind of like her parents were done raising kids. Okay. They're like off to yep. their careers. And so um, she, she was a latchkey kid. She'd come home to an empty house, kind of like on her own a lot. And uh, the other thing that happened is that her mom had a tendency to talk over her. So Jennifer would want to share about her day at school, you know, some crafts that they ha- had done. And her mom, wasn't really interested and it was always changing the subject and kind of talking over Jennifer. So the question that any kid would have is, am I loved? Am I really loved? Am I seen? Am I known? Am I heard? And so for Jennifer, now she carries that into our marriage. Okay. So we sit down and we start talking about how does that, how do I, as your husband, unintentionally answer your primal question with a no or a maybe like what behaviors am I doing? What things do I do? And I'd also also ask her, what can I do to specifically answer your primal question with a yes, so that you know that you are loved by me. And it was really simple for her. She said, what you need to do, Mike is listen to me. 
because when you start talking over me or start dismissing me or um, coming up with all these kinds of solutions and problem solving, which is Mike's natural tendencies, she feels unloved in that moment. Because really, I'm I'm kind of this totem or this representation of her mom in that moment. Okay. Now I don't I don't I'm not into like psychobabble or or you know do it like getting too therapeutic here, but but the sim- simple idea is a good spouse is a is wanting clear ways to and, and wants to be actively answering their spouse's primal question with a yes. And so I also say this, like why relationships don't work. Here's why relationships don't work, either with your boss, with your spouse, with a friend, with a coworker. The reason why a relationship fails is because your primal question is uh, being answered with a no or a maybe too often. Hmm. Yeah. Is that a kind of thing where I would assume certain relationships matter more with it being answered with a yes than others? And do you then, if you can get it answered in one area, do you have capacity for the no or the maybe more so in other areas? Yes. Well, yeah, you, you would definitely, there, there would be a weight that certain people would have in your life in terms of their answer. So like my spouse, um, <laughs> it would be really tough if Jennifer was constantly answering my question of, am I safe with a no? Because she's my number one. She's my, my most important yep. relationship that I have. Now, if my neighbor down the street is answering it with a no, less impact on me, okay? Less likelihood of me going into my scramble, okay? But if Jennifer is answering no, I'm gonna. it's going to be like someone shaking my snow globe at that moment. And I'm going to be frantically trying to figure out how to get her to answer it with a yes. And that's... That's what we're talking about here, Mike, is being aware of the drivers, the reasons why we're doing things, why things get us emotionally activated and upset. It's because of the primal question. Okay. Um, So I told you before we got on that I had read, after reading your book, that I was like, I don't know which one I am. And I was vacillating between a few of them. And as we've been talking, like, I think... I think I know the question. I'm not sure which one, uh, the way that you would categorize it, which one it categorizes under. But I think like the thing that's there for me is, um, am I known? Mm -hmm. Like, do people see me, know me? Like one of my things is often where I often feel hurt is when I think people create a avatar of me that Mm -hmm. they sort of like project on. This is what Mike is like, or this is what Mike thinks. This is how Mike responds in these situations. And I'm like, you and they're almost always wrong. And I feel like I have a lot of situations where that's been true. And I've often like tried to figure out like, what am I doing that makes people create a sort of like self-made persona of me and where they know this, this image they've created, but they don't know me. Yeah. Um, what, what one is that? I, well, what you're speaking to is really question three again of, am I loved? Okay. which is the the need to feel known and seen. And, and maybe one of the ways that we can also, every primal question has a kryptonite. Basically, how would I send Mike into a scramble? Mike Goldsworthy, okay? 
Well, with question three, and let's talk about this because I'd be really curious if, if this is your question. So uh, your kryptonite, uh, with question three, basically question three's kryptonite, would be indifference, okay? The idea of like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Mike's okay, not great, but not, it's kind of like you're, you're an extra. You're not really worth getting to know or to understand kind of like it's nice to have you around but you know i'm not really you know connect want to be connected to you does that feel like something that's upsetting to you yeah like i'm like almost gonna cry as you're saying that mm -hmm. yeah i'm thinking of uh multiple instances of that in the last several years that have been that have felt really hurtful to me because it has felt like there has been i thought that there are situations and spaces where I thought there wasn't indifference, that indifference has played out. Yes. Well, the, just the fact that there is emotion as we think about that, because emotion actually is a very powerful way of understanding what our primal question is. Because what I would say, Mike, is like that's hitting something deep, deep, deep within your being and something that you have wanted and needed your entire life, but didn't always get. And so when it hits that way, I, I think that's always a, a, a good sense of like, this is what, this is what's important to me. And really what I would say, we could also describe the primal questions as our highest apex emotional need. So what I might say about Mike Goldsworthy is that Mike's highest need is to be loved. And he deserves that. And he's worthy of that. Um, he doesn't have to scramble for that. Um, you know, think about your, your relationship with Allison. Uh, you know, there's seven questions. Like, do you, does it, you know, like, are your fights with Allison around uh, safety are your fights with Allison around uh, success my guess is your arguments or where you guys get heated or at least when you feel hurt is when you don't feel emotionally connected to her when you don't feel close to her when you don't feel like she wants to know you and see your point of view she's just kind of like whatevs the whatevs that's probably the most hurtful and probably the biggest moments of conflict in your relationship. Yeah, it, well, it's not just indifference. It's also, um, and do I need to be paying for you for this now? Do I have to mm -hmm. like Venmo you a whole bunch? No, no, this, is, this is totally free. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's, it, it, the indifference, but it is also the projection of assumption. Yeah. Of, um, it, I don't, the projection of assumption feels to me like a easy way out of like, I don't actually want to know what, where Mike's at with this thing. I'm totally. going to take the information that I already assume about him and, and make assumptions about that. That's right. I'm not willing to do the work to really understand you. Yeah. And that feel, that just feels like that doesn't feel like love to you. No. And, um, this is one of the things I've been unpacking a bit recently and thinking about my time in pastoring is that there, I mean, it's hard for a, 
a church and especially a decent sized church to like actually know their pastor. But I realize like there's all these like relational things that happen there where I realize like, oh, people like had a lot of assumptions about who I was, most of which were not true or based on partial truths. And there was never any like trying to actually understand. There was always just working mm-hmm. off of those assumptions. Yes. Um, and it's hard to figure out what to do with that when you are in a role that's a pretty public role where like that's like it's hard not to have that in a public role. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, this is where this is where we have to get really smart and strategic about the work that we do and the way the places that we show up in the world. Again, you it, it is hard. Well, think about this. Think about your role as a as a pastor. Um, you want to be loved, okay? It's it's important to you. And by the way, that's not a weakness. That's just a need that you have. You want to be loved by people. You want to be seen by people. But you're in a position that actually doesn't allow that. You actually have to be a spiritual leader. You have to give great messages. You have to, you, you have, how do you like know, how do a thousand people actually really know you? That's not possible. Okay. And, and yet you have that desire to be seen and known. And so that position really is in conflict with your primal question. Now think about, it's like me, it's like, I'm not going to, um, be a skydiver instructor. It's not going to happen, okay? Because that position is in conflict with my primal question. So what we do is we f- we want to flow and design our our vocational offerings in alignment with our primal question. Which I love. Which again, let's talk about what you do today with just the coaching. You're holding space with somebody and you're loving them really well, but you're also in a context where that person can get to, to really know you too, hmm. about what you really think and your, your real ideas, not ideas that have to be accepted by a large crowd. I mean, again, you're doing, you're making decisions right now where your primal question is be able to answer with a yes, but you're also using your primal gift of loving others really well by holding that space and listening and asking good questions. So I do think it's like the primal question has a big implication on our, our vocation and our career. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what do I do with this now? So I'm question number three, that's Mm -hmm. the root. And so, so what, so now what? Well, here's a couple of different things to think about. And this is what I write about in the book. Okay, first and foremost, I'd say you get to go home today and you get to talk to Allison and say, Allison, my primal question is, am I loved? And Allison, I want to I talk to you about two clear ways where you can answer this primal question with a yes, okay? And then, I'll, Allison, I also want to give you two clear ways of things that you do unintentionally, I'm sure, but may, that make me feel unloved, okay? That answer my primal question with a no or a maybe. And then... I want you to think about your primal gift of loving other people, seeing people, listen, active listening, caring, empathizing. Again, all the gifts that are attached to this particular primal question. 
I want you to really strategically think about how do I maximize that in the work that I'm doing? Is there something that I've been kind of standing on the sidelines with because I'm kind of like unsure whether I'm good at this or not good at this? What I'd say is like, is this attached to your primal question? If it is, then you go for it. You lean in hard. If it's not, then you need to pull back. And then I, you're a parent, Mike. I go, hey, Mike, you know what you're doing as a parent? You're probably over-indexing on making sure that your kids know that they're loved. Okay? Because that's your primal question, and you're going to put yeah, that yeah, primal yeah. question over your kids. And 17-year-old boys love that. Yeah, sure. They, they love to know that they're loved, right? Um, I would say, hey, Mike, be aware of that tendency to over-index on loving your kids and think about the other six questions about how you could uh, message your kids that they're, well, I'll give you the seven, that they're, am I safe? Question one. I want, it, I'm, I want my kids to know that I'm safe, that they're safe. I want my kids, question number two, am I secure? which has to do with financial resources and having enough for the future. I want my kids to know that they're secure. Question three is yours. Am I loved? Question four is, am I wanted? So making sure that your kids know that they belong, that they're accepted, that they're part of the, that they're part of the family, that you're glad you're they're on, on team Goldsworthy. Uh, question five, am I successful? So this to your son, I think you need to be talking to your son saying, Hey, listen, this is what you do really well. I want to I want to affirm this this talent in you and this these things that you have won at and are really high performing at. Uh, question six is: Am I good enough? This has to do with the value and just a lot of times we get we get caught up in this idea of um, not being enough. So this is where we come in with our kids and we say, "Hey, I want to affirm your value and encourage you and." Um, make sure that you know that, uh, uh, you have everything, everything you need to be, uh, uh, an awesome person in the world. And then, uh, question number seven is primal question. Number seven is, do I have purpose? And this is where we want to be leaning our, with our kids and saying, Hey, God's got a great plan for your life. You're, you're going to make impact. Okay. Uh, I want you to be a global citizen here. Okay. So you can see like all that messaging. I know we went through that quickly, but as a parent, you want to be covering all those topics, not just you're loved. Yeah. You know what I did with my kids? My kids knew that they were safe from Mike Foster. I was always looking out for their protection. I was always considering like, who are you going to go spend the night with? Okay, I need to know those parents' names, numbers. I'm going to do a background check right now before you go over and spend the night at that kid's house. Okay. Because I was over-indexing on safety. Totally. But what I should have been doing is talking about the other six questions also with my kids. That's good. That's good. Um, thanks for fixing me today. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> you do not need to be fixed, bro. You need to be released into your awesomeness. <laughs> oh, it's so good, Mike. I love this stuff. I love everything you put out in the world, but this feels like a really get really... A significant gift that has um, all kinds of great potential, both like individually, I can see how it can be used in, yeah, not just coaching, but in pastoral care and like all sorts of um, spaces. I can see how this can be really useful. So it seems like uh, this is going to be such a gift. I'm so glad that you've put it out. Yeah, I'm excited. It's, it's uh, 
uh, you know, my, my whole goal in life is just to improve the client's condition and to be helpful. And so I'm hoping that, uh, this book is done in a very simple way, simple concept that will actually really help people in all, all areas of their life. It's good. Well, I think, I think you, uh, are gonna find that all to be true. I think people are gonna find it really helpful for them. So obviously folks can find it on Amazon, The Seven Primal Questions by Mike Foster. Um, and then your website is mikefoster.tv, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I remember, I mean, I don't know if this is still true, but I remember years ago when we were all first getting our own websites that somebody else owned mikefoster.com and you were really upset about that. <laughs> I was. I'm like, and because he wasn't doing anything with it. That was the most right. disappointing thing. You're just like, he parked it and he wasn't doing anything with it. I'm like, I can do something with this domain. <laughs> Mikefoster.tv. Um, Mikefoster.tv. And I'd encourage your listeners on the uh, website, at, at my website, there's a uh, free assessment where you can uh, answer some some questions that help identify uh, your primal question. And that's, again, at Mikefoster.tv. It's totally free, really simple and easy but a good place to start if you're interested in knowing more about this concept. That's so good. And then I know you do these like um, two-day group intensive experiences. Um, Strongest, I think, is one of them. Yes. And Okay. And is that like, is this a part of that or is that something different? It is. It's, uh, um, it really is foundational to the the two-day experience and what we work through all the aspects. We, first, we identify what your question is and all the aspects of it and how it plays out. And we build what I call a, a primal map, which is really just a snapshot of your life and all the, the opportunities and all the challenges and really gives people a, a really nice picture uh, and a plan where they can take some massive action in their life right away. So the great two days is it is therapy accelerated. It is hmm. I always say like it's um, uh, it's probably like two years of therapy and coaching in two days. It's good. Um, well, friends, I hope that you'll take advantage of this and at the very least go take the test on Mike's website, check out his book and maybe uh, hang out with him for a couple of days down. And do you do them in San Diego? San Diego. That's right. I mean, gosh, is there a better place to get to hang out for two days? So that's a good I don't time. think so. Come on down. We're we're uh, we're actually doing one in June, and that's our next one. And I host it here at my home, and it's a great time. Love it, love it. Well, Mike, thanks for being on here. I'm so glad we figured out a way to finally make this happen. Mike, it's been a pleasure. Great, great being with you, and and thanks for thanks for having me on. 